Hello and welcome to Clout, a podcast profiling the journey of Asia-capable Australians. I'm your host, Lucy Du. At Clout Asia, we talk to Aussies from all backgrounds to learn about the dash of language, the pinch of culture, and the blind luck that led them to where they are today. We ask our guests to take us on their journey to Asia capability by sharing their choice of food, song, show, and person to help us understand what being an Aussie with clout is all about. My guest today is Amy Jen, the founder of Oplay, an online community promoting women's sexual health well-being across cultures. I met Amy at the China-Australia Millennial Project back in 2015, and like myself, Amy was born in China and moved to Australia at a young age. Before empowering female communities, Amy was trained as an architect and was involved in a number of residential and commercial architectural design projects in Australasia. Amy is also passionate about disruptive innovation, entrepreneurial challenges, and creating sustainable partnerships, and was the Australian Sherpa of the G20 Young Entrepreneurs Alliance. Today, I'm speaking with Amy to take us on her journey to Asia capability by nominating a food, a song, a movie, and a person that help us understand what being an Aussie with clout is all about. So before we get to that, can you first tell us how you shifted careers from architecture to women's health and sexual well-being? Hi. Thank you for the amazing intro. I really appreciate to be invited onto this podcast. My journey from as a young graduate architect, I realized that I wasn't making enough impact as a graduate architect. I used to work 80-hour weeks and I worked six months flat on those hours designing car parts and toilets. <laughs> and that's what a young architect or designer would start with going forward. And I was quite an impatient young professional. And I was so curious about the world and I wanted to explore what else, what else is there that I can do apart from sitting in front of my computer for 80 hours a week. So I went to business school. I done my MBA BTS and then I traveled and then I also worked with Australian universities in corporate relations, volunteered for the young G20 And I guess all of those transitions had come from my curiosity for this sense of urgency, this will to create more impact. And I often ask myself, what is the one thing that I can do to create the most impact, to make this world a better place? And one day I remember it was about a month before my best friend got married. She came to me and she's also an Asian Australian like myself. And she asked me about what does an orgasm feel like? Those were her exact words. Mm -hmm. And me being an architect and my architectural background wanted me to design a object to help explain to her without describing to her. And it was from this pivotal moment I realized that there's a whole communities of women out there who don't have the kind of access to knowledge, especially in sexual well-being as we do in Australia. 
and also, you know, different cultures have different practices and a lot of these topics are taboo and families don't talk about it. I mean, sex education is really something that's a new field as we are going into new understanding of consent and safety practices in online dating and also just even basic anatomy and understanding of our body functions and health data. Those are the things that I would like to bring to light in many interesting formats that's accessible to not just women that speak English, but also um, leveraging of my Asia capability to promote and empower women. And that's what I'm truly passionate. I feel like that is my calling. So that is how I got from, yeah, being an architect to now being an advocate for sexual well-being for women across cultures. Sounds amazing. I look forward to hearing a lot more about how Oplay progresses going forward. Now, Amy, the movie you nominated today is Eight Love Men Women, Ying Shi Nan Yu. It's directed by Oscar-winning director An Lee and I'm now going to read directly SBS's synopsis of the movie. It's a classic tale of simmering frustrations and relationships and tells the story of semi-retired Master Chef Chu as he shares his culinary skills and tends to his three unmarried daughters' respective emotional journeys. So tell us, how did you come to see it? Well, on SBS, of course. Thank you, SBS. <laughs> I feel like we all grew up on SBS. If you grew up in Australia, to have a glimpse of what the rest of the world is like back in the 90s and early 2000s. I felt a deep resonance with this movie because to me, I saw how an Asian father without language expressed his love for his family well, in this movie, his three unmarried daughters, because I think his wife had passed away. And this fatherly love, that unconditional love, is so deeply expressed through his preparation for food. He would spend the entire Sunday going to the wet market, getting the fresh ingredients, and he would use only traditional techniques to prepare the food, just like how he used to be when he was working as a master chef in a Chinese restaurant. And then everyone would come to the table and they will share about, you know, their challenges, especially in their daughter's relationships and life. And he wouldn't say a lot at the dinner table, but you can see his love from the food. Each dish is meticulously prepared through several hours, even days. And each daughter, of course, come from a representation of different age brackets, and they blossoms throughout the movie and it's a comedy drama so there's a lot of moments where it's not only touching but it's also humorous. I would highly recommend if you're interested in Chinese food and how it's prepared and how I guess love is expressed through food. Yeah I would watch this movie again and again. Amazing. We'll definitely put the details in the show notes and I promise you I will also watch it as well. So you talk about food in the movie. I think food is very centric to a lot of families, especially in Asia. What have you nominated as your choice of food today? 
Ah, that is a really tough one because there's so many. I just love food. And I think Lucy would agree with me because we have so many food accounts on Instagram (laughs) that I follow. Just two, just two. (laughs) So I'm going to go for a cheat choice because it's something that's really not very well known, but yet it's so, for me, it's like a naughty food, also comfort food. And it's called, I'll say this in Mandarin, you tiao. I think the best way to describe it is like Chinese churros. So it's like deep fried dough twisted into a stick and you can have it in so many different ways. And most traditionally we have it at breakfast Mm -hmm. and you have soy sauce, you dip that in soy sauce or chili sauce and it's crunchy and yet soft dough in the center. Um, I've never had it with soy sauce. Really? Yes. So see. (laughs) I've had it with soy milk. Ah, okay. So you have it like as it is, like a planned sort of breast stick sort of thing and you have it with milk. Yeah, it's almost like a Chinese baguette because you can get them in really large sizes, like in the size of a baguette, or you can have them in a smaller size. And sometimes you can maybe coat it in sugar if you're feeling adventurous. But yeah, most traditionally it is served with congee, soy sauce, and some anchovies and you tell. <laughs> Yum. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Any tips on where we can find said you tell in Sydney? Sure. If you just head down to Chinatown, Mama Chu's Kitchen has them. Most Yum Cha restaurants would have them if you just ask the chef nicely, I think. I haven't tried that one yet. But yeah, any sort of, I mean, even in Broward, there should be places that would serve this dish. Yeah. So it's my favorite breakfast naughty food. Amazing. Sounds delicious. And it is delicious because I'm a big fan of your chow and will definitely add a few tips from Amy in the show notes as well. Now, Amy, can you share with us an Asia-capable person you've met over the journey who has had great clout and why? I feel really fortunate that in my path, both in Australia and China, I've met so many kind, passionate people with clout and have contributed and added to the Australia-China friendship, both professionally and personally. It was really hard to choose one when Lucy asked me. So here goes. I would nominate Professor Kerry Brown, who was on the board of the China-Australia Millennial Project. And I've also worked briefly with him at the University of Sydney's China Study Centre, He's now working for the King's College in London and he's the advisor of China policy to the EU. He's written also many books about Chinese politics, the future of China, geopolitical power analysis. I think during his tenure in Australia, he's nurtured many young talents like myself and helped us to all understand and see China in a different perspective. And my most memorable story was at the gala dinner of the China-Australia Millennial Project. And I was, I think, on stage thanking the team for their efforts for putting the 130 scholarships together to promote young people working together across China and Australia. And next to me was my best friend now, Lucy, um, not you, unfortunately. At the time, we weren't best friends yet. (laughs) But yeah, my best friend, Lucy, who is Polish-Australian, and she speaks Chinese and sings in Chinese. So Professor Kerry Brown said, 
looking at your friendship with Lucy, looking at the two of you, I see the future of China and Australia. And that comment, that casual comment, deeply stayed with both me and Lucy. And that's what, I guess, still empowers us today to continue to build this goodwill and friendship from people, really grassroots friendship for the two countries. And that's giving us hope to still, you know, to this day, even though the current situation is a lot more complicated than what it used to be in 2016. Absolutely. Now, finally, a very fitting finish, I think, is your nomination for music, which I would have to say is something that you may not find in any record store. So, Amy, please tell us about this cover of Molly Huang. So Moli Hua translates to English as jasmine flower. It's my favorite flower. And I have fond memories from my childhood of night jasmine growing up in China. And in my current house in Sydney, I also have uh, a bunch of star jasmine growing near the back door. And just the smell of it took me back to humid summers growing up in the city of Fuzhou. And also in summer in Sydney, it gets humid sometimes and our weather systems are actually really similar. So this flower for me is timeless. And the first lady that sang this song was called Deng Li Jing. She was the first singer, I think, in the 80s in China. Everyone knows her in China. Teresa Den. Yes, exactly. Teresa Den. She's so popular and she's so sweet. She's got a sweet face. And Lucy does a version of Molly Hua in her way that is unique. And really, it shows how when you love a culture, you learn the language. And when you express the well-loved song in another culture, you can interpret and build on it and create really a new world appreciation. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 